Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Uh, we're here on the heels of the spring game, talk about some of our takeaways um, from the game and kind of where that leaves the football team um, heading into the 2015 season. Uh, so just a heads up, uh, the three of us, um, since the game was not broadcast um, due to some construction going on at Death Valley, uh, we actually managed to watch the game on someone's uh, camera that actually they, uh, they posted on TigerNet. Um, so that was great. We actually got to watch um, the majority of the game, and um, we'll talk about some of our takeaways from that. Um, sort of some facts to kick us off. It looks like uh, they announced the attendance right around 37,000 fans, which is a pretty strong turnout um, for a spring game. Not sure how that compares to some of uh, our peers in the ACC, etc., but um, definitely encouraging to hear that. Uh, imagine people had a good time heading down to the Valley. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll cover some highs and lows um, from the game everything in between, and again, uh, the disclaimer, um, we, had, we did end up watching um, this footage, which was taken from one of the end zones vantage point, kind of the west end zone looking back toward the hill. Um, so um, full disclaimer, I guess we didn't really get the benefit of replay, um, sort of had to manage that ourselves, and really tough to break down the film, um, understanding kind of who was doing what on which plays, and didn't really get like the full perspective of, of any given play. But uh, it's it's likely though the same video that, that everybody else saw. Right, exactly. Too. So we're all in the, in the same boat here, unless you were actually at the game. Right. Uh, in which case, we're jealous. Um, so, uh, guys, I guess we should probably cover off on sort of uh, heading into the game. We, we definitely touched on this last time. We had some expectations, some of the things we were looking at. Um, maybe Cody, we can start with you. Uh, was there anyone that kind of reaffirmed your belief that they're really solid, you know, in the game? Anything? To comment to there. Yeah, the, the one position group that we, we knew was going to be good and they absolutely performed like we expected were the wide receivers. And Mike Williams, Artavis Scott were just tremendous. I mean, they, they look like the best players on our team. Frankly, they are the best players on our team. And I guess what's what can leave you uh, with a lot of optimism is, A, Deshaun Watson wasn't playing. He wasn't the guy getting him the ball. So he's not only going to be able to open up those screen pla- screen uh, passes and the intermediate routes, but also the you know the deep game. Obviously, Schuessler doesn't have that capacity, but you'll see that aspect of the game, um, in, in which will allow them to develop more. But then Deion Kane and Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod come in in the in the fall, and man, it's again an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, and I, I just think you know, um, paying a lot of attention to sort of even in the in the NFL. Um, the importance of really, really deep secondary groups um, to think about the opponents we're going to be facing. I'm not really sure there are any teams that are going to be that deep to be able to cover the type of athletes and talent that we've got, you know, uh, you know, at the receiver position. Well, we certainly weren't that deep. Obviously, our sec- I mean, we'll, we'll talk about our secondary in a moment, but yeah, I don't, I, I can't imagine there's any groups. I, I don't know enough about around the league at this point. I think we'll do a little bit more homework as the season progresses. But I would have to think there's no way we're not a top five receiving core right now. And yeah, no one's going to be able to guard us. Florida State, they have some talent. That might be the only team that could potentially uh, be able to play with us. Let, man. let me read off these names to you. Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod, Trevion Thompson, Artavis Scott, Jamon Hopper, Mike Williams, Sharon Peak. Yeah. I mean, listen to that. I think most teams would be happy to have Sharon Peak or Jamon, Harp, Jamon Hopper as like their one-two punch, and they would be like, wow, we have a good receiving core. Those guys are likely, I don't want to say get lost in the shuffle, but those are our secondary guys. 
And through all those names, somehow a guy like Hunter Renfro comes in and still manages to get talked about in practice. A guy that comes out of nowhere. Then you love your Hunter Renfro. Yeah, you know, I mean, sure. I'm anxious to see what he can do. Yeah, and I think we'll touch on it a bit, just what that pretends for the coming season and um, how we are going to get that entire you know core of talent enough enough looks in the offensive game plan um, to be able to really see what they can do, develop their skills, and really. Uh, you know, flex our wide receiver muscle there. And one last thought on that: it gives us a lot of flexibility with the play action, with those uh, those jet sweeps that we did so well with Artavis Scott last year. Now you, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but you have Artavis Scott, you have probably have Ray Ray McLeod in that same type of function, running jet sweeps, fakes. I mean, and then Deshaun Watson. I, it blows my mind how how good the offense can be and the things that Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott will have at their disposal with those two guys and then the other guys on the, on the top end, like Mike Williams and Deion Kane. Maybe sticking with the offense a bit, um, clearly we knew kind of receiver was a, was a position of strength for us. Um, anything else on the offense from a takeaway standpoint, Ben, that you, you saw in the game? Well, um, you know, I think we have a really strong stable of running backs, and we all knew that coming in, uh, there's going to be a big competition battle there. I mean, the same way that I ran off the names of the wide receivers, um, Galman, Davidson, Dye, Brooks, Choice, Fuller. These are all guys who are going to get a strong look. Um, we know that um, Galman uh, going in is, is the, the guy in the lead, but these are all very capable running backs. I mean, look what C.J. Davidson did in the spring game. coming mm-hmm. over, over 100 yards, I think, on the six carries. I mean, he has a dynamic side, a, a huge burst. And then we got your bruiser backs, and you know we've got guys that we saw in bits and pieces last year that gave you a lot to be excited about. And, you know, these guys stay healthy. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what we could do. And then behind an offensive line that looks to be like it could be really strong, um, you know, you take the wide receivers, a good offensive line, and the running backs that we have, and that takes tremendous pressure off a quarterback. So if you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, if he has a minor injury, or even if he does get injured, like we, you know, are all, you know. You know Wary of, but yeah, could be an op- could be. Right, and, and you throw a guy like Nick Schusler in there who just needs to manage the game with all those weapons around him, um, you know, who knows what can happen. I mean, we're built to be a very dynamic offense. Yeah, and again, with the the, long, the deep ball, with that Deshaun Watson, he creates that fear in opponents where safeties have to hang back, and we didn't get to see that last year. That's going to make the running backs, that's going to give them that much more you know, grass, much yeah. more uh, space to run through. Right. And you might see just a natural progression just because of that alone. But, but yeah, like you said, the, I think there's going to be improvement with Goldman. Tyshawn Dye is going to be healthy. And then, obviously, you have more uh, dynamic threats, or, or I guess I should say more of, like, uh, certain specialty-type guys like Zach Brooks, who is more of, like, a how to, you know, catch out of the backfield type guy, and C.J. Davison, your small burst kind of guy. Cody, you mentioned the deep ball. Um, maybe we can transition a bit to quarterback play um, in, the, in the spring game. So Nick Schusler. Uh, suited up for both sides, um, orange and the white teams. Um, you know, my takeaway there was, you know, he definitely looked good in kind of the short and intermediate passing game. However, we really didn't see him challenge downfield. And certainly we know we've got the horses on the receiving end to be able to, you know, get down there, create separation, and go up for it. Um, Cody, do you think, you know, maybe that's that's a limitation of Schuster's skill set at the moment? Or do you think the offensive play calling was just not opening it up? It, yeah, it could have been a combination of the two. It, it looks eerily similar to Cole Stout from last year. 
with, I mean, not a whole lot of, like, not a lot of deep balls, which you think, well, if you can be accurate on the short passes, that's great. But here's the thing that you got to account for is that defenses are going to scheme for that. They're going to they're gonna have a lot of blitzes. They're going to know you're not going to stretch the field. Cornerbacks, you're going to be doing, uh, you know, DB blitzes. It's just, it leaves you open to a lot of, really a pounding, and it puts a lot of stress on your offensive line. So with that said, I, I want to see, I, I, I'll take Schuessler as my as my backup quarterback right now because it looks like, at least like, uh, looks like he's confident. Mm-hmm. However, we want to see Deshaun Watson. We want to see him healthy. I don't think anyone uh, is, has any, you know, I think everyone understands that in Clemson, that Deshaun needs to be healthy. I mean, personally, I, I for what Schuessler is, I like what I saw out of him. He looked like a guy who's capable of managing a game. He looked physically to be the part. You know, he's he's bigger than I really remembered him being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, maybe we didn't see a lot of deep balls in this free game. Our offense is kind of built around these short passes, so we'll let our athletes do the job. And occasionally we'll go for the home run, send Mike Williams out to eat or, or Tavis Scott. Um, you know, Schuessler needs to have a strong, solid grasp of the offense. He needs to know how to run it. He know, needs to know how to use his tools best, which what we're going to get out of him that we didn't have in Cole Stout is a guy that can run the ball. Yep. Um, Saw a decent number of scrambles on Saturday. Right. He's he's more fleet of foot. He's a little more elusive. Um, it's you know part of the game that Cole Stout uh, didn't necessarily have. Um, so that's what Schuessler needs to do. And he knows his role in this team. He knows that Deshaun Watson is the number one guy and is going to be the starter. He also knows that Deshaun Watson is a play away from being injured, and he's going to need to be thrown in there. And we have very high expectations for this season, and he just has to have it in his head that he can meet those expectations if he's called upon. Um, and I, I, you know, I think from what I saw from him is everything I would have expected from him and maybe a little bit more. I mean, we know what it is. We've seen him play. We know that he didn't come in and take over the job for uh, Cole Stout last year. So what we want to see is just a big jump, leap forward progression from where he was last year to really lock down and be the solid number two guy. And to that end, I actually, again, I don't mean to be so down on Schuessler because he looked the part. He looked good. But so did Cole Stout coming out of spring, the spring game last year. So you can only say so much for spring game performance, but that, that's with any, any position group with any good team. <laughs> However... I, I hope that Kelly Bryant emerges. I hope he learns a little bit more of the nuances of the offense. Hope he gets his, you know, learns a little bit more passing. I think he's he's got a, a great mentor ahead of him, and Deshaun Watson he can kind of look to. Um, I hope he's the guy because at the very least, I feel like with his legs and his potential to, to add weight to his frame, like you know, he could be he could be a guy in short in short small burst or whatever could could do really well. Yeah, and, and what, I mean one thing I guess. And we can move on from this in defense of Cole Stout last year is that he did have an injury that stayed with him all year, and I think that was a big had a big effect. And uh, you know, and maybe some of Chad Morse's play callings wasn't you know using his best ability. Um, but you know, he, he came out and he was a Clemson man in the in the in the in the bowl game. Good so. point. Yeah, a month of rest his yeah. injury, and yeah. then uh, and play callers that were. Yep, month the rest, a month the heel, and he came out and he played like a man, and he won that game. So, that's good. Um, props to him. Um, it, it was great to have him. Um, and now moving forward, um, you know, we have a bright future at the quarterback position. Let's see him develop. Yeah, it's a reason for optimism. Yep, sure. A couple other bright spots on offense I saw, um, observation wise, I, I thought uh, Cannon Smith as tight end really really did develop um, in the in leading into the game and um, had a few few good catches, few good kind of run after the catch. 
uh, that we've kind of been spoiled in the tight end position in recent years uh, with Dwayne Allen, Michael Palmer, etc. Um, so hopefully we'll continue to see him develop. Um, we also have Leggett kind of gonna, going to be competing for the starting role there. Um, I mean, if you, if you if we get productive play out of the tight end spot with our stable of receivers, with an effective run game, with a dynamic quarterback, and hopefully an offensive line that we saw um, really, really impressed in the spring game, um, again, could be a really special year on offense. Um, Do we so. have to – the great thing is Cannon Smith was like a, almost like a converted tackle. So it's, it's not even just the skill set that he has as a receiving tight end. It's, we're going to have a guy that can block. And I, I want as many guys that can block for Deshaun Watson as possible. And another notable thing of that is, yeah, Jordan Leggett looked good. I hope he emerges as the number one guy. Cannon Smith looked good. I'm happy to have him as a backup. Milan Richard, who's not going to play in right now, is, you know, by all indications, is actually probably the, maybe the most talented of that group or the highest upside. And uh, I think it's a, you're right. It's a promising group. Another reason for optimism. Well, and we've, we've kind of dropped off on the tight end um, in the past couple of years. And, you know, one of the big issues, I mean, this has been Jordan Leggett's job to lose. And physically, uh, he looks the part. Uh, we've been told last year how he should be a nightmare matchup uh, for, for anybody um, on the defense trying to guard him. Um, but he hasn't really taking advantage of that and stepping into that role. I think blocking has maybe been an issue from him. Um, you know, we've had some injuries at the tight end position. We've had some, I guess, personal or academic problems at the tight end position. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine tight ends right now on the roster. Who's going to step forward? we got J.J. McCullough back finally. Um, you got guys like D.J. Creamley, who we've heard his name. you got Stan Seconder. Uh, whose experience has been around, he's played, he's made some big catches, um, and like you said, Milan Richard. Um, but I think we're all still really hoping for Jordan Leggett to, to step in and like be the guy, be yeah. the man, and steal that spot and really just solidify that position. He has all the talent to do it. I mean, let's like make it happen. I mean, you know, it's an 18, 19 year old kid. There's always the maturation maturation process. Hopefully, it's clicking now. It's his third year. It seems like it seems like that's the case. So um, we, we were joking, discussing this earlier. Um, offense definitely going to be a bright spot. You guys feel like we're going to need to win games 45 to 42 based on what we saw on defense. I, I think it, it's not like a, what's the word? It's not, it's not static. The, the trajectory of our defense will improve very, I think, similarly to 2013 where the, the beginning product was not as good as the end product. It's going to get better. The only issue with that is it's our schedule because we have a pretty pretty solid schedule, pretty tough schedule there at the beginning with Georgia Tech. First third or, of the season, yeah. Yeah, Louisville, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, even at Miami. So it's how good can our defense be, but how quick can they get there? Yeah, so yeah, back to your original point of total. Yeah, we gotta outscore some teams. Deshaun Watson's gonna have to just, you know, out outslug some teams, if you will. Yeah, I mean, on offense, you know, we can throw two first-team offenses out there at the skill positions um, in the spring game. Um, right. But we can't, you know, do that in uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And so, you know, we, we didn't have a first – we're not going to be as deep, but we didn't have a first-team defense playing together. And the defense is going to be limited in these spring games. You know, they, they're not going to be able to go after the quarterback. They're not going to be able to really have that killer instinct playing against your own team. Right. Um, that you're going to have in a game situation. You know, I brought, you know – Amongst up, uh, I, I noticed this from the game. Ben Bullware, I mean, he just looks bored out there. You know, 
playing on that defense in the spring game, and I, I just know that I expect so much more out of him when I see him in live, real game action. We know what he can do. We've seen his animal instinct, and I think he's really going to step up this year and be a, a strong force um, at the linebacker position. So, uh, yeah, we're not as deep on defense. We're going to see some guys develop, uh, get bigger um, over the, uh, the summer here. And we'll see when that first team really comes together. And as long as we stay healthy, you know, I give all the benefit of the doubt to, to Brent Venables and, and what he'll be able to do. Um, so, you know, let, let's see what happens. We have a couple softballs uh, for the first two games of the year. You know, really let that group come together. And then uh, I think, what's our third game? Louisville on a Thursday night? Yep. Yeah, well, let's, let's see what we can do. You know, it's, you know our, our test is at least this year, not the first game. And certainly our hardest matchups will generally come at home for us. For the most part this year, yeah. Which is, you know, definitely a home field advantage comes into play a good amount. Um, maybe from a bright spot on defense standpoint, I just wanted to, you know, continue to sing the praises of Evo um, coming on the strong side. Definitely would spend a lot of time in the backfield and continue to make, you know, good tackles when the ball came his way. Um, we also saw Kendall Joseph establish himself out of the linebacker position. Um, so definitely, you know, encouraging signs there. I think some of the more veteran talent, um, to Ben's point, you know, we really weren't seeing them firing on all cylinders, but that's to be expected, you know, in, in a own team scrimmage like we saw. Yeah, when you're playing alongside, when you have your, your all of your good players, when J. Ron Curtis is playing alongside McKenzie Alexander and Corn Wiggins and Dorino Daniel, there's like a, there's a level of trust there. I feel like there probably wasn't that level of trust. I mean, a guy like Jeffrey Gibson, who by all indications is, you know, is a good player and is a talented player, but he's a redshirt freshman, and he was just shaky. He, he is, you can see the instincts aren't there. The confidence isn't there. So when you put, you know, J. Ron Curtis or McKenzie Alexander alongside that guy, it, it basically waters down your whole defense. So put, put good to get all the good together, and I think there's reason for optimism because there is talent there. There's obviously a couple of... NFL type players in Jaron Curse, McKenzie Alexander, and then uh, I really I really like the Nickel Sam. I like Dorian O'Daniel and Corn Wiggins. Those guys are just great instincts, man. They they hit hard. They have a knack for the ball. So and you put all the good players together, it's going to be a different story. Yeah, and and these names that we're talking about, these are all guys. You know, they may not have the experience yet. They're sitting. They were sitting behind some really good NFL caliber players, but they're all names that came in highly touted. They were highly uh, ranked in the recruiting rankings, and they're going to get their opportunity for us to see what they can do. I mean, they've had, uh, you know, 14 or so practices plus a spring game um, to really start to step in to the leading roles on this defense. So let's see the work they put in um, over the summer and what they can do in fall practice and what develops uh, as we go into to the 2015 season. Absolutely. I mean, it, and we are, you know, right now at the midpoint of April. So definitely some time um, for Brent Venables to continue to, um, you know, scheme out the defense, get the depth chart worked, worked through, um, as well as just from a strength and conditioning standpoint, I'm um, really getting these guys, you know, to the level they need to be. Um, maybe, you know, continuing the thought on defense, you know, getting better before week one. Certainly we're going to have kind of the um, preseason preparation process. But, um, you know, the other thing that we're kind of not acknowledging in the spring game is the role that true freshmen can play. Um, Cody, I know you spent a lot of time looking at recruiting and understanding like who's coming in. Um, you know, maybe what are some of the names that that we and our, our listeners should be kind of cluing in on that might get some playing time on the defense end? 
Yeah, you're, you're right. Developing depth is important because on defense we're probably going like 14 or 15 deep. So we got to develop depth with the guys in our in our two deep. But luckily, like you said, there are some guys coming in that I think are coming into positions where they, they can make an impact right away. That's four-star defensive back, a cornerback, corner Mark Fields. Um, he, he was originally a South Carolina commit. Uh, he flipped to Clemson, and thank God he did because it looks like that's going to be, if he's not going to be starting, at least he's going to push those guys that are really in their third year, Tinkersley, uh, Edmund, and, and Carter, who, and Adrian Baker, who all, just, you know, for whatever reason, they just haven't put it together. So, hey, put in the freshman, kind of like what's happening on the offensive line. There's that trickle-up leadership. Like, get on your game or you're not going to get to play. So he's going to help. Um, I think, I hate to say it, but the defensive tackle position in the spring game, you saw some holes that were as wide as the Red Sea for, you know, at one time it was Wayne Gallman. I think he was surprised at one point at how big a hole was, and then he took it to the house. Um, the defensive tackles have got to be better. And Christian Wilkins, I think, will, at the very least, jump into that too deep. He is a five-star defensive tackle. Again, five-star defensive tackle out of Connecticut, who uh, is tremendously talented, High character, high, uh, very intelligent kid. We are lucky to have landed this guy, and I think he'll be able to step in right away and just blow up, uh, blow up some offensive lines. Uh, so another another guy, and then and then a guy that we don't talk about quite as much at defensive end, Austin Bryant. He was a four star out of Georgia who we actually just watched his highlight film from high school, and I think we all agreed, wow, the guy looks good. He's a defensive end that's, he's got size, he's about 250, you know, he might want to get up to like 260, 270, but it's, it's so fun watching him because he's got a great lateral quickness and he's got a great burst, and something that we always talk about, I always talk about, is length, his long arms, kind of like Javion Clowney, Clemson fans might not like hearing that name, but man, when you He's pretty long, good at football. He, he's pretty good at football, no one can deny that. Um, whenever you have long arms as a defensive end, it, it allows you to be so much more disruptive. I look for him to hit that too deep. And, man, maybe not this year, but at least probably in another year. At least we know we probably have an answer there at defensive end. And that's, again, Austin Bryant. Look, look for that name or watch, the, watch for that name. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he looks the part. He's, he's got the physique. He's, uh, I mean, he's, he's a big kid. And watching his highlight film, he did look like a monster. Uh, the defense attack position, you know, we really take a look at our depth chart there. I mean, we're young. I mean, we've got junior Carlos Watkins. We know what to expect out of him. Got senior and uh, DJ Reader, but then after that, you know, you know the next, uh, you know, guy highest in the class, Scott Pagano. I think we all have a lot of hope for how well he's going to do. Um, didn't see a lot from him in the spring game. A little bit worried about that. I want to see him develop more and really become a force in that defense. But then after him, you've got you know a bunch of freshmen. You got redshirt freshman um, Jabril uh, Robinson, and then two guys coming in and uh, Gabe Shavinka and Christian Wilkins. But um, you know, that's what we've got. There's not a lot of depth at that defensive tackle position. So I, I think the upperclassmen are really going to have to carry a lot of the load this year. And we have to look for guys like Pagano to step up and Christian Wilkins to come in and really uh, make a push at that position. Yeah, and a quote from Quacking Tiger from Shaking and Southland, which I thought was a great quote, and it kind of summarizes our defense. Um, it's the difference between a 9-3 regular season and going 12-0. and Do we have the defense to go 9-3? Yes, Absolutely. 12-0, it's all about how the depth that we can de develop. And that not only goes to the development between now and August, but how well can Christian Wilkins, Mark Fields, and really Austin Bryant, maybe uh, Clellan Farrell, how long, how fast can they get in and make an impact? Because, yeah, I mean, frankly, it's almost kind of scary. 
at several positions. Yeah. The uh, depth. I guess let's not forget about Albert Huggins too. Um, You're right. Expect some good things out of him. Um, he's he's on the, talented on the defensive line. I guess early reviews are that he's talented raw. Yeah. And we don't know if he's defensive end or defensive tackle, but right. I think yeah, at the very least in 2016, uh, he, I think he's a, a game changer. So with the with the true freshman coming in, I feel like an area that um, will naturally develop among the team um, is just going to be the role of leadership and some of the upperclassmen really establishing themselves as vocal leaders um, in the locker room, on the field, etc. Um, you know, we're graduating. Um, certainly, Vic Beasley is more like a silent lead by example guy. Um, but Stefan Anthony, Grady Jarrett, Robert Smith, like real vocal leaders of the defense moving on. Um, you know, Ben, who do you think might might be stepping into that role as a leader on the defense? On the defensive side of the ball, um, I really want to see uh, Carlos Watkins come in um, and, 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 you know, be the guy um, and for that defensive line um, and really step up and, and take the lead. Um, you know, I think lead by example – uh, maybe in the secondary is going to be Mackenzie Alexander. I don't know if that he's going to be the most vocal uh, person, uh, but just the play that he has, I mean, we're going to be able to stick him out there on the island. He's going to be able to command whatever side of the field he's on. Uh, ben Bulware at that linebacker position, you know, I you've read a lot about him taking um, a lot of these young guys um, under his wing, uh, answering questions, and really providing them the insight, and I think he just can pass on that killer instinct that he has. Um, I look to him to really develop into a leader on that defense. I think he was ready to be a leader when he first came in. Um, you know, probably a little premature, but he has that attitude um, and that intensity that I think is going to, you know, he's a guy that could have played linebacker in the 70s. Um, and just he, he, he has that mindset. Yeah. It's an intangible. We talk, like, talk about the high character guys that we're recruiting, and I think it's starting to man manifest itself in ways where we know that you might not have a leader – like, you, you don't slap a C on, it, on on any two guys' jerseys, but you feel like you have leadership all across the roster. And it, like you said, Ben Boulware reminds me of the guy from that movie, The Replacements, who just, like, wants to attack the quarterback like a like a, like a bull trying to attack the, the guy in Italy. I don't know what that's called. Spain. In Spain, I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. I'm very cultured. Um, but anyway, yeah, he, he's a wild animal. Like you said, he's got those animal instincts. And then, uh, and then uh, Shaq Lawson, I think, is... I think he's got some leadership, I mean, capabilities. He's going to be probably the most talented player, him and maybe Mac Alexander. And then probably the guy that's the, the vocal leader, I think, is J. Ron Curse. I was going to say that, yep. And you're not, you're, I think, a high-character guy, leader, leadership qualities. I, I don't worry about leadership. They, I think the coaches play out that narrative because they, they want, because they know the players are listening. They want to hear. They want to hear. Hey, we need leaders to emerge, and they hear it, and then you know, obviously, they bring it to the table. But I don't think it's as big of a concern as uh, the coaches may let on. Fair point. Um, I guess maybe transitioning over to special teams. Then um, we certainly saw some good uh, results from some of our playmakers. Um, you know, we had Artavis Scott in the kick return game and actually punt returns as well. Go for north of 100 yards. Um, again, I don't know that our special team coverage was necessarily playing at full speed, full strength, um, but definitely, you know, some highlights there to be had um, from some of our playmakers there. Um, but that being said, and you know, the film that we saw didn't include um, extra points, field goals, and very much on the kickoff um, sort of end. But understanding from folks who were there, you know, are, 
our kickoffs from the kicking standpoint definitely let, left a lot to be desired. Um, you know, I, th I think that's something that definitely needs to be corrected in the next few months. Um, you know, we'll see how the depth chart lines up for at the kicker position, both from a field goal extra point standpoint and for managing the kickoff. But, um, you know, having lived through the years of uh, such kickers as Aaron Hunt, you know, I can definitely speak to the anxiety it causes when you don't have that um, Chandler Catanzaro level um, consistency and, you know, trust in your kicker. Um, and hopefully that's something that, you know, doesn't become a, a sore spot for this team in 2015. Yeah, we didn't, you know, we saw some kickoffs in the video, and we didn't see a lot of good deep kickoffs. Saw some line drives, saw some really short kickoffs. Um, I'm reminded, and you know, there were several years ago where on special teams is that any time we kicked off, the opposing team just took it to the house, and it was such a nightmare of a season on special teams. And you don't want to slip back into that. Uh, you want a guy that can put it through the back of the end zone. And I think didn't even hey, a couple of years ago move the, the the kickoff up five yards in college football. I mean, there's no excuse for that anymore. Put it through the back of the end zone, or you know, get it deep enough with enough hang time to let our guys get down there, get a position, um, get a yeah. position. Now the, the good thing is now because you know you do have a lot of these young guys who came in as highly touted uh, recruits, they end up on special teams. Um, and that's where they get developed. So we do have athletes out there. We do have guys out there that can make plays. We have to have a kicker um, that, that, that gives them the opportunity. So somebody does need to step forward um, in that kicking role um, to really shore up our special teams. You know, I, I think as far as, uh, you know, extra points and field goals, we didn't see any of that in the video, like you said. Um, but I think we're all a little bit more comfortable uh, as this because of how the season uh progressed with uh with Ammon um Ammon Lakeup yeah so you know we're still not there we you know after having uh Catman we're never going to be that comfortable again with a kicker at least for a while and we, we need some more to see some more out of Ammon but you know he did look a little bit more steady at the end of the year looked a little more confident we hear good things about him so I really want to see him come in um this year and and really just you know be the guy show that confidence be a guy that every time we know every time we roll him out uh that he's gonna he's gonna put it to the uprights and you know Catman had the problem his his first year kicking he was a little bit shaky and he came on that's just this natural out of the kicking position you know that gets in your head it's a really mental condition when we saw what happened uh to jad dean uh with some internet photos and what that could do to your career so um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, but I think we're better off than we think we are. It's just, it's just always a shaky position. You're yeah. always worried about kicking, especially at the college level. Well, and my hope is that we're consistently scoring touchdowns and won't be in need of a field goal game. Exactly. Uh, but certainly, yeah, very important, especially in some of our tougher matchups. I imagine just from a strategic standpoint, knowing that you have um, a solid, you know, a reliable kicker there um, is definitely going to play, play a role in the play calling you know, on third down, et cetera, when we get into the opponent's side of the field. Very good. Um, so we've sort of covered off on the three position group or the three sort of um, aspects or phases of the game. Um, any, anything else, Cody, from you in terms of uh, maybe um, things we didn't see in the spring game that you're looking forward to or, um, I don't know, any in interesting takeaways uh, from the game? Yeah, and you guys were making fun of me as we watched it because I kept commenting on physiques 
And I, I wasn't even watching the game hardly. I was just like, wow, man, Ebo is looking really muscular. I wonder what his body fat percentage is. Um, but I, I do want to correlate that to actual, it's like something that's actually, you know, real. And that's, if you do look, like for one, we had a different vantage point. We were watching this amateur photographer, uh, you know, photographer, videographer, you know, whatever he was. By the way, you know, we'll, we'll knock that guy, but thank you to him. Yeah, because yeah, other, let's think it, right? Uh, otherwise, that we have nothing to look at because for some reason uh, the Clemson Athletic Department can't figure out how to get us some videotape of that game yeah. with construction going on. Even though we know there's some film breakdown going on with the team. So, anyways, sorry. I wanted to, the ACC Network got in there somehow. Yeah, they, whatever. For whatever reason, someone on a high level said we're not going to have this for ESPN3. Mm-hmm. So thanks to the guy in the West End Zone. <laughs> but hey, we, we got a different vantage point. We got to watch guys go down on cardboard on the on the hill. And we, for me, I got to, like, I think when you watch it from your, your standard ESPN, you know, from the 50-yard line, you see everything looks, the guys look a little bit more interchangeable. But going back to physiques, you could really see, like, what guys, you know, really stood out from a physical standpoint. And if you had to create a list, I mean, Shaq Lawson, Mike Williams, uh, Tyshawn Dye, I thought looked great. Um, Jaron Curse, and uh, who am I? Oh, Isaiah Battle would be the last guys. So the five get the five guys that I just named. They're great physiques that you guys make fun of me for paying attention to. Those are like probably the five best players on our team. So there's a strong correlation between great physique and great player. Well, with Ebo being, I think, having a great physique, too, but I wouldn't put him in the top five. And that's where the summer workouts are really going to come in handy for a lot of these guys and see how they develop physically, Yeah. Um, especially the young guys stepping the role and, and step into their college football bodies as they transition um, as underclassmen. Um, and I think that's going to make a big difference. You're going to, I mean, especially as we talked about on defense, you're going to see some of these young guys, you know, again, they've just been thrown in there for a little while here. Let's see what they do over the summer. Let's see how they develop. Let's see how they come into fall practice. And you know what happens every year, especially with the talent that we have? There's going to be a couple guys that's going to be like, wow, where did they come from? And look how far they came from the spring game. And, you know, let's you know see what we end up with. Um, and I think there's a lot of upside. Everybody who's uh, giving, uh, uh, you know, Batson a lot of hell uh, a few years ago. Uh, wanted to get him fired uh, for our strength and conditioning. And look what he's done since then. Look, look at how, what our program has done since then. You know, we have guys there for the most part. They stay healthy. We're physically, we can go up against anybody in the nation. We've proved that. So let's see what they do in the offseason. Let's see how they develop. Let's see what, see what Jeffrey Gibson does. You know, we, we're giving him some hell here. Um, not looking the part in the spring game. You know, maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's the guy that comes back and steps in. He's a young guy. Let's see what he can do. He looked like he was wearing a blindfold at times, yeah. but... <laughs> But I, I think, yeah, that's you're strength, right. Strength and conditioning and then the drills, and, and that's where the leadership comes in about, you know, yeah. how the leaders uh, work with the team, uh, you know, during the offseason um, when the coaches really maybe can't have as much involvement. And, you know, let's let's see the step these guys take. They're all at Clemson for a reason. Yeah, um, it's a right. player-driven type leadership, I think, on some level. Yeah, uh, Batson has got a lot of hell, and maybe rightfully so. I don't know. I think it's hard to really. I, and Grady, I know we need to wrap up here soon. We want to talk about Robert Smith, um, but just to kind of you know tie a bow on that ribbon, um, I think I think it's more like what goes on in the weight room sometimes in the off season, especially this time in the dog days of the summer. It's really it's up to the players. So again, back to the quality of guys that we recruit. Because they're they're leading the charge and they they wanted they're hungry 
And that's where I think some of the results are coming in, not to mention they put an emphasis on nutrition, which, hey, it's 2015. We've known about the value of nutrition back 20 years ago. Let's, let's get a nutritionist in there, and they, they have someone on the, on the staff now. That's huge. That's what, We've uh, seen that in the NFL with Chip the Kelly. role of Kelly in yeah. sports science. Um, I think that's starting. I mean, certainly Clemson has had interaction and engagement with Oregon, um, you know, Dabo visiting Oregon, et cetera. Um, so I feel like that is starting to manifest itself in the Clemson program. Well, that's, that, that's, see results. that's the benefit of having this young coaching staff. What they lack in experience, they, they, they have in foresight and forward thinking. Um, they, they're tapped into a different mindset. Um, so they, they use these modern tools that are around that maybe the old school guys aren't so uh, quick to adopt. So, you know, I, I think it's great. You know, what we lack in experience, maybe, um, you know, we gain in other things. Yeah. So. And it's an ever-changing landscape right now, the way yeah. things are going in college athletics, not just college football. So you've got to have foresight. And Dabo, I think, I think it's important right now, it's branding things like social media. And this is, again, a much larger conversation that I think we should continue later on. But branding yourself as a program. Uh, we always talk about a CEO and a salesperson. He's been, able, he's been able to do that. And I think that's part of why we've seen some, such great results in, uh, in recruiting. So... One thing I got a kick out, out of watching the game was actually, you know, Dabo um, was on the field the entire game, you know, in the backfield, and actually joining him there was Deshaun Watson, and um, you know, you could kind of see their banter back and forth and kind of their how they how they watch plays and how they you know reacted to the offense, etc. It was just so great from like a kind of a, a coaching slash mentorship standpoint to see Dabo there, kind of explaining to Deshaun like what he was seeing, how he views the game, and I think you you can really start to see Deshaun moving from a, a point of being like the pupil and being sort of like, you know, um, green now moving almost toward more of like a, a leader and a coach mentality Player of the coach. offense. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, really cool to see. Um, it was also great to see him running up and down the field. Definitely. Although I imagine some fans probably would like him to, to cool out a little bit and make sure he's, he's a hundred percent, but um, no, yeah. Great to see him moving around and agile and, um, he was definitely coming up to players that just had a, a breakout run and congratulating. And so, yeah, I mean, Deshaun is probably pretty healthy at this point and definitely involved. Yeah, and to speak to Deshaun Watson for just a second, what I think is interesting about him is the how the, the vibe around Clemson, just Clemson fans, about Deshaun Watson. We aren't we aren't waving the Deshaun Watson flag, but he could very well be the best Clemson player of all time, and I don't think that's I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that's realistic but we're just so concerned about his injuries that we don't want to wave that flag yet but we all know we're just kind of sitting back we're not talking we're not we're not telling our, our South Carolina uh, friends that about him we're just saying hey we got a good quarterback but we know he's not just a good quarterback this guy's uh he, he's he's a Heisman candidate and potentially a, a front runner he, he's just he's that good if he stays healthy absolutely everyone I, knows it even South Carolina fans would agree with that he's that good I remember last year watching the Georgia game. I was overseas, so I had to watch it on a, a hacky feed. Um, and I was paying close attention to Twitter like during the Georgia game. And on the limited plays where Deshaun actually played, a lot of the national you know, um, sort of media members and um, kind of the Twitter sphere around college football, I mean, opening eyes across the country with his talent and, and sort of play. And that was really his first game, um, you know, flexing that, that, that talent. So and if we do want to check in the hyperbole for just a second, I would almost compare him to Andrew Luck as like the most hyped up quarterback. Like you know, I guess Andrew Luck is kind of like that trend. Yeah, 
uh, yeah, transcendent like guy that was like John Elway. I think Deshaun Watson has that upside where it's like this guy's a one, one in a five year type guy. I don't think he's there. I don't think he's even proven enough yet. But I'm just saying that would be his upside, and that might be hyperbole. But that's something well, uh, nope. if you want to look at it on a glass half way full, then. And no, be- no better way to realize that vision than to surround him with the type of talent that we do have at the wide receiver position. Um, Great you know, point. We can speak to, maybe here for a moment, uh, the encouraging O-line play. I don't think we've necessarily touched on that. There are a few guys um, really stuck out. Ben, any, any comments there? I mean, the, the, the form and technique and just the ability we see out of some of these young guys... Um, you know, we've got a good uh, core leadership um, on the offensive line and guys with a lot of experience. Um, they're going to step in there, but the guys like, you know, Mitch Hyatt that's coming in, you know, we saw him in the spring game. You know, yeah, he had a little mis- a few miscues, but he, he's a true freshman coming in. He's a big boy. He's going to be, I think, a really great offensive lineman for us, and he's going to get thrown in there early. And I think the offensive line is a huge bright spot uh, for us this year. I mean, I think we're almost going to be too deep on the offensive line. We may see an offensive line um, that we haven't seen at Clemson in a very long time, maybe back to the mid-2000s and, um, uh, you know, back to the uh, uh, Dustin and Roman Fridays. Um, so huge bright spot, and I think we have a lot of leadership on that um, offensive line too, and we have even more guys uh, coming in, they're really starting to develop that position, and I think we have a lot to look forward to there. And that makes your offense go. You win the game in the trenches. That offensive line performs, protects the quarterback, whichever quarterback we have out there, makes holes for those running backs that we have, and and really frees up uh, Last time for that deep ball. The deep yeah. ball uh, with the talent we have at wide receiver. I mean, this guy's the only offense. Um, you know, if we're worried about the defense, maybe they should just grind it out and not, not, not score so quick um, and stay on the field. So, Yeah, t- tempo is going to be so key this year. Um, and we, we talked about the depth of talent that we have. Embarrassment of riches is kind of a phrase that's been thrown around. Um, you know, the way I look at that, it's, um, it, yeah, it's as deep as we've been in, in, dis- in recent memory in terms of skill position. So my question is always like, how do we get enough playing time for some of these guys to be able to showcase that talent? Um, and I think that's where having the play calling and the tempo of your offense to keep to get up into the the, the 80s, the 90 plays a game uh, that Chad Morris always tried to achieve for us. Uh, if we can get there, I think we can spread the ball around. If we can't get a lot of these guys on the stat sheet um, and really realize this offense's you know vision. Yeah, and, and the offense needs to be good for the defense, especially in the early part of the season, because it's going to have a direct um, correlation with how well they do and. If, the type if, of pressure we put on that defense to exactly. keep if you're, it close. Because you saw in the Georgia game last year, the very first game, where the offense just could not get a first down in the second half. And that that was one hell of a defense. We yeah. were not shoddy by any means. Um, after that first game, a lot of people, I think in the country, probably a lot of the media types didn't think we were the number one offense. Or, I'm sorry, the number one defense. But it was just because our offense continually put us in bad positions, bad field position. They got worn down. They were on the field too much. Worn right. down, and then Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb, who were just... Um, two of the best running backs in the nation wore us down, and so going back to this year, if our if our uh, our offense can't give us a few more first downs, I think making run, running the ball a little bit more part of the the offensive play calling, uh, so we can run some clock, give the guys some rest, 
then uh, I think it's going to help our defense out tremendously, and it's it's very much needed. Well, and I think that's going to be the theme this year. The offense needs to return the favor right. for last year. And it's yeah. it all goes back to the line, as yep. you mentioned. Yep. Uh, so definitely yeah. something to take a look at. We'll see the role that any true freshman can play in solidifying our depth chart there, but um, definitely some bright spots talent-wise that we saw in the spring game. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think we covered our bases on what we saw last Saturday. Um you know, if anyone hasn't seen the shaky cam footage, I would definitely encourage you to check that out. Um, TigerNet's probably your best source for that. Thank you, shaky cam man. Exactly. Yeah. Whoever you are. Big time props. Um, Don't drink so much next year before yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe we can close, um, you know, veteran uh, defensive stalwart Robert Smith moving on, hopefully drafted, um, moving on to the NFL next year. Um, he actually recently published a, a thank you letter to to Clemson, to the fan base, um, to the administration, to Dabo, and um, you know I, I for one find, found that to be you know kind of mandatory reading, and um, you know just you know really for me personified kind of the the caliber of character player that the Dabo has recruited and brought in, um, and uh, yeah guys any any takeaways or thoughts on Robert Smith's letter? Well let's let's forget about being a football player about being an athlete, um, about, you know, being a student at Clemson University and just, just as a person in general. I mean, that, that, his letter, that's what it means to be a Clemson Tiger. Um, it draws in everything, the humility, the appreciation, the, the work ethic, and the character. And if you're not just deeply touched and so proud uh, to be a Clemson Tiger and uh, have had Robert is part of our Clemson Tiger family. After you've read that letter, then you're not a true, you're not a true Clemson uh, man or woman. Um, that was an absolutely amazing letter. Um, it, I, it really touched me. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say on that is, Robert, no, thank you. Thank you for being a Clemson Tiger. Thank you for your sacrifice and your effort and everything you've given uh, to the Clemson community, the Clemson family. Uh, the football team, and everything you're going to do for Clemson going forward. Um, there's bright things for you in your future, whatever you do. Um, and and just thank you. We appreciate everything you've done. And I want to talk about, yeah, I, we've, I've been glowing about Dabo and his recruiting and these high-character players and these guys that, as a Clemson graduate, I'm 27 now, but the older I've gotten and, and the more removed I am from college, the more I become proud of the, the university and the football team. And that's uh, an area where I, I, I really appreciate Davo and, and all of his efforts. And, uh, you know, we don't, we want to be a podcast. We want to have, have objective criticism of our team. But this is one thing no one can, no matter what media outlet you're, you're from, you can't deny that you have to be proud if you're a Clemson person. Um, a quick story, uh, for a quote from C.J. Spiller. Um, I heard him talk about Davo. He came to Clemson when he was 18, and he had, I think he had a kid. He already had a kid. And he, did, he never, I don't know if he ever had a father figure. I don't, I don't think he did. I think he was very much just, uh, you know, a, a long type of guy. And it, he, had a, he had a kid, so he came to Clemson, and he found a, a quick father figure in Dabo. And this was before Dabo was a head coach. But he spent a lot of time with Dabo. And he, he said that he went out to, like, cookouts, and he would spend time with Dabo's family. And he said, I not only learned how to be, become a better man, I learned to become a better father from Dabo because he saw the way that Dabo treated his children. So CJ, you know, took that, applied it to his own life. So that's that that touched me, and that's that's the type of program that's that uh, that we that we have at Clemson. 
uh, where you know Dabo is not only instilling the right values, but he's, he's teaching players to become you know better men, better fathers. And going back to Robert Smith, yeah, th again, thank you, Robert. You're you're an awesome guy. We we appreciate everything that you did for the university, but now it's 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 not even about football anymore. Going forward, uh, you know, best of luck to you. And uh, and as a Clemson person, we always have your back. I feel like you're such a tight tight knit community within the Clemson. Uh, Clemson realms all across the country, all across the even country. out here on the west coast. Here we are in, in San Francisco, yeah. Very good. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully, everyone's encouraged coming out of the spring game. Things are looking good. Um, certainly on the offensive side, any question marks elsewhere on the team, we know the coaching staff will um, address, and hopefully, we'll, we'll you know refortify the depth chart with incoming true freshmen. Um, move forward on our successful path to a national championship. Uh, thank you, everybody, and we will catch you all next time. Go Tigers.